Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at NWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatki, and yours truly, Chris Adkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 58th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. The gang's all here, and today's special guest is the drunken woodworker. But before we get to him, let me introduce our usual panel of suspects. I'm Tom Iovino of TomZoakGrinch.com, and I'll be your host of this program. Joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, a lovely city, by the way, if you've never been, is Chris Atkins. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing good, Tom. How are you? I'm doing lovely. Thanks for asking. And from the wonderful land of Long Island, Good Diami Blocky. How are you, Tom? Doing okay, Diami. How are you doing? You know we miss you, Diami, when you're not on. Oh, I know. I, I'm sorry I missed last week's episode. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but from what I've heard, it was excellent. It was outstanding. Um, it, was, it, was, it was actually terrible. I, I laughed. I cried. <laughs> it was better than cats. Well, that's not saying much. Okay. <laughs> I, I started to edit all the bad stuff out and just decided that it wasn't worth it and we wouldn't have an episode left, so I just left it all. <laughs> That's, okay. <laughs> that, that seems to be the motto of this entire show. Okay, so when we get to the shop, what's what's going on in the shop these days? By golly, Chris, what are you what are you doing? I um, my, my shop is in shambles, so I've got to come. It looks like I'm doing a shop renovation. Um, so the problem is, is um, my shop basically bases around one corner where there's there's two walls and that that. And everything basically sits on these two walls. And in that corner, there's a, a build-out. And that's where my water heater sits. Um, and my water heater went out a couple of days ago. So oh. <laughs> so I had to put a new water heater in. And uh, so the the guys came out. And so basically, we had to move half the shop out of the way. So they uh, they cursed my workbenches. Um, said, why the hell do you need anything so heavy? <laughs> so... Um, so anyway, my whole shop is tore completely apart. So um, I am going to be spending my weekend trying to put things back together. Dude, it's not good to be you right now. No, it's a mess. No, it's yeah, it's it's losing that kind of thing. You know, it's it's funny because very few of us have dedicated spaces as shops. Normally, we share space with something else, and when that something else goes, right, it's a problem. Yes, it is. Let's just say that it's a problem. I'll tell you though, on a on a slight tangent. Um, my water heater is currently broken, and rather than fixing it, I'm recording this podcast. So nice. somebody's got his priorities right. That's well, just amazing, Diami. I, I didn't actually fix my water heater, so I can't act like I fixed the water heater. It's just a simple replacing the nozzle for me. It'll, I can do it in like a half hour. Okay. You get used to it. Yeah. Well, Diami, other than, other anyway. than water heaters, what, what else is going on? Well, I've got – I think I counted the other day. I think I've got four open projects in the shop now, so I figured – what the hell? Let me build a dust collector from scratch. Sure, Perfect. why not? Perfect. Well, you know what happened is I got the uh, – I bought Steve Taylor's planer before he went to, um, to Germany. Now it's been a couple months. And it's a big, grizzly 15-inch industrial planer. And I couldn't run it without a dust collector. So I've had a couple of uh, Dust Boy-style dust collectors, which are the ones with like a 55-gallon drum. The motor sits on the drum, and then it's typically like a bag. Um and I've had them in my attic for years. As soon as I bought this house and I knew I was going to set up a shop, I picked them up on Craigslist and I've just had them sitting up there. So 
I figured, you know what, it's time to bring one down and actually set up a dust collector. So that's what I did. And it's become this odyssey of getting it set up. Um, and now the way I have it set up is I have the Rockler Dustrite hose between the dust collector and the various tools. And I got to say, I, I'm very impressed by that hose. It works very well. And in setting up that hose, I was just readjusting something and I took the bag off. Now, the bag is like a probably a 30 micron filter. It's, it's not a... Okay. Real good inside. These are like pseudo cyclones. They're not real cyclones. And there was still a lot of crap in the bag. So what I decided to do, I actually talked to the guys over at Shop Talk Live. And I took Mike Pekovich's advice. And at least for now that it's hot and I'm working with the garage door open, I took the bag off. And I took what came with the dust collector as a six-inch intake hose, and I've got that set to the exhaust. So now it's a six-inch exhaust hose, and I've got it ported so that it just blows out into the front garden. Um, so for now, it's working fine. I'm getting all these little wood chips in my front garden, but I'm getting all the dust. I'm getting great dust collection in all my tools, and there's no dust in the shop. Um, but sooner than later, I'm going to want to close the garage door, and I'm not going to have this solution anymore so a couple weeks ago now maybe a month ago no i'm sorry longer than that about a month ago todd clippinger posted his first video in a long time about how to set up a shop and that okay. got me looking at his youtube stream and probably a year or two ago he posted about the super dust deputy which is the giant version of the dust deputy and he had connected that to his dust collector and was just really really impressed by how much dust it collected so I picked up a super dust deputy and a 20-gallon bucket to act as the, as the container that it's going to drain into. Mm -hmm. So now I've got the two of them sitting in the shop. I've got the dust collector sitting in the shop. And at some point before 20-gallon bucket and kind of somehow take the motor unit off of my existing unit and set that on to the super dust deputy. And then I still need to get and build a filter mechanism. I think I'm going to get a pleated filter from Oneida. But that's... That's been the most interesting thing I've been doing in the shop. I've also been working on some folding chairs, but the, uh, you know, you don't like to do the dust collector is captioning way. my imagination. What's that? You don't really like to do things the easy way, do you, Diami? No, no, I can't say that I do. <laughs> I have, I, but uh, so that's what's been going on in my shop. Just more setup and futzing with the dust collector. But I, having not had the dust collector in the shop for years, now having finally set it up, what a world of difference it makes. Um, I think everybody needs a decent dust collector. It's it's the difference between a really nice, clean, tidy shop and and a frustrating shop. And it's not what's the most frustrating part is how the dust gets in the way of everything. It's not even that it's a messy shop, but you're constantly sweeping so you can properly register against a fence, or you're running it through the planer and the chips are getting in the way and you're not getting a smooth surface. Um, getting the dust out of the way actually improves the performance of things. Sure. Well. But there's a good place to do. There's a good place to start. I mean, getting that dust collector. I tell you, you know what? I when I run mine, it, it's nice not having to sweep everything up afterwards. So that's oh yeah, that's always a good thing too. That that saves time there. Now, what's going on in your shop, shop, Tom? Well, I had a little problem. Um, no. Seven. Yeah, I know. It's always a it's always a story, but it's not medical this time. So this is a good thing. Um, <laughs> it's that's an improvement. Come on, this is a step in the right direction. So you know, in in Florida, it gets kind of hot in the summer. And that. really kind of humid, just just so you know. And um, one of the things that I've relied on for the past seven years to, to get any work done in the shop at all during the summer has been my little portable roll-around air conditioner unit. Now, I got this when they first started coming out. You know, it's kind of like a, like a refrigerator mm -hmm. with a hose that I can vent out the window on my side door. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's done a good job for years. I think it's an 8,000 BTU. 
uh, unit. But I noticed that I can't get it to blow on anything higher than the low setting when it mm. cools. Now, I have a whole shop full of hot air here, and the low isn't just really cut. So, Tom, just don't talk in the shop. Well, I know that would normally be my, my first option, but, but it's just that humidity that's really getting me. So, unfortunately, it looks like I'm going to have to start looking for a replacement unit. Um, the good thing is, though, that now the later we get in the season, the closer we are to actually where, where the big box stores are trying to unload their, uh, their, their portable air conditioners, which is a good thing because, you know, maybe I'll come into a good, uh, pretty decent deal. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it's definitely after seven years, this baby's about ready to give up the ghost here. And it's, um, it's served me well, but I think it's time to step up in size. I've got a 20 by 20 garage that I'm using as my shop and 8,000 BTU, just a little on the small side for it. So um, looks like we're going to have to up to maybe a 12,000 BTU sized unit. But, you know, hey, I mean, it's, that's, that's, that's the nature of uh, progress, yeah. right? Every so often you have to upgrade. Do you have to stay with one of those portable ones, or can you put in a window or wall-mounted one? Well, unfortunately, we don't have any windows in the, in the garage here. So if I wanted to, I'd have to cut a hole through the wall, or I'd have to get a split system. And the split system, you know, now you're talking about triple the expense. Yeah, the split system uh, costs you a little yeah. more. Yeah, the yeah, split so, systems are a real I mean, machine. But, uh, I mean, I can, I can go with a $300, uh, $300 uh, portable unit or a $3,000 split system. So it's probably going to be the, the, the portable unit. Um, it does really well. I mean, it's you know this one has served me well for seven years, but it's definitely time to uh, to to. Uh, it looks like it's ready. It's it's got one foot in the grave there. The other thing um, that, that's going on in the shop is you know every, because I run the blog, every so often I have to start looking around and start trying to figure out what I'm going to write about next. And there was an amazing you know everybody was everybody had come out getting their domino uh, from Festool. And, um, and I needed some way to cut mortises, and I was kind of annoyed by, you know, the shop made, you know, router jigs and things like that. So I saw that uh, Lee Valley had a, uh, had a deal on their mortise pal. So I, so I sprung for one, but the problem was I kind of put it aside never really got back to it. So one day I was looking for a story to write, and I, and I remembered, ah, I had this thing tucked away, and I had to dig it out and blow all the dust off the box. Um, but, I, <laughs> but, but the best thing was it was, it was so easy to use. You know, I, I'm really, you know, now I'm starting to think I've got a couple of projects that I have coming up where I'm going to have to start using more mortise and tenon joints. I mean, this is the kind of thing where it's, you know, it, it just definitely calls for that kind of activity. So uh, while it's, it may be the poor man's uh, uh, domino, it's, uh, it, it certainly works really well. And um, I'm looking forward to putting that thing to use now. Now, Tom, I'm looking at the pictures on the blog, and we'll have one of the pictures in the show notes. Um, it's a... It's a clamping mechanism that holds uh, like an acrylic template that yeah. then a, a, a bit in a bushing fit in the template and, yeah, and you just slide it back and forth. It's that exactly. easy? Yeah, it's that easy. And then the, what happens is the block, the guide block is that, that's in the middle that actually positions the uh, router bit is adjustable. So you can go anywhere across like a six-inch wide um, uh, piece of wood and drop a, drop a mortise anywhere you want to. And I know that they sell loose tenon stock. So, um, you know, so you can actually, instead of cutting a mortise and tenon, you can actually just cut two mortises and then use that loose floating tenon right in the middle there um, and, to, to, to make up the difference. So you can actually get a mortise and tenon joint that way. Right. So the mortise pal helps you cut the mortise, but it doesn't do anything to help you cut the tenon. No, no, no. But, if, but I mean, if you were able to mill up some boards, um, you can cut, you know, you can cut some tenon stock that way. And since, you know, the top and the bottom of that, um, of the mortise really don't hold a lot of the strength, it's all on the sidewalls there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, just, just milling some boards, I mean, even at a scrap, you know, you can get a very good uh, loose tenon 
um, that you could fit right into the right into that mortise. And uh, you can, I mean, you could be doing it that way, or you could just get the pre-machined milled with stuff. So, right. And I think a, like, a loose tendon is a great way to go. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the kind of thing where you have one setup instead of you know moving from one tool to another. You can just do everything on one setup. So it kind of it kind of kind of speeds things along a little bit, you know. And you know, I mean, if it's good enough where a lot of people are using the the domino for you know a lot of a lot of joinery tasks, you know, especially high uh, high uh, high strength ones like things you see in a, in a chair. I mean, it, it seems like it might be might be the way to go. So how is it how is it for supporting the base of the router? Oh, it's great. Actually, it's kind of funny. The um, the outside edge of that guide is just the width of a, of a standard router base. So what you do is when you, when, you, um, when you drop the router in, both parallel rails actually support the base of the router regardless of where you put it. So you get very good stability on that. Okay, so th- this is probably really great audio, but again, people can see the picture in the show notes. The two yeah, rails on the sides are fixed and this, the, the slot in the middle that actually determines where you set the mortise, that moves back and forth yeah, between them. Yeah, back and forth on a set of rails. But okay. trust me, we'll, we'll, put, we'll put some pictures in. We'll put a link to the, to the, to the company. Um, but it really is, you know, it's really kind of a cool little tool. And, um, you know, I, I think it runs, and I, I know this is not cheap, but I was given, you know, I was given a lot of gift cards one year, and I figured it would be something I'd spring for. Um, it, it, was a, uh, it was about $200. And, um, it's cheap but, compared to the alternatives. I mean, think of you know, some of the alternatives. I mean, a hollow chisel mortiser is going to run you a couple hundred bucks easily. Um, you can go with a domino. You can do things like that. I mean, I'm sure you can go a lot cheaper, too, by building your own jigs. And I did that for a long time. It's just this is kind of ready to go right out yeah. of the box. And it's and it's real easy to use. I mean, that's that's the one good thing about it. So for me, it, it, it suits my needs pretty well. That's excellent. Yeah. So with that being said. Um, we, there were a couple of blog posts since our last, uh, since our last conversation that piqued their interest and our friend, Matt Vanderlist, the pod father himself had a couple of really good ones. And one was actually back in May. Uh, Deanne, what, what was this one? Yeah. I'm not going to claim to be current in my blog role reading, but, uh, I oh, just well, read this. You sound Matt terrible. Yami, can you hear Chris? us? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Okay. Sorry. You're breaking up for a second. Go ahead. Um, I was going to say, this is a post that Matt wrote back in May and is titled, How are you going to feel when someone has to repair your not very good work? And it's kind of a two-part post. It does discuss, you know, the emotional uh, chore that I guess is having someone call you on something you did sloppily, let's say, and having to fix it. But uh, what I found even more interesting about this post was it's kind of a response to commenters who made that statement, how are you going to feel when someone has to repair your not very good work, was actually a comment on one of his YouTube videos. Um, And he kind of discusses, you know, dealing with the commenters and about how he also goes into how some joints can be sloppy as long as they're strong. If they're hidden, there's no distinct value in making them perfect. As long as they're strong enough and no one ever sees them, what does it matter? Um, So he touched on a lot of things. I think that he handled the negative comments part of it very well and was a bit more um, diplomatic than I might have been. And his opinion on functional versus aesthetic and just dealing with having somebody else fix your work was all all rather enlightening. And uh, I just found it a good post. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's it, it's funny because, you know, they, they, somebody described it once as, as mud flapping. Um, you know, basically what happens is, you know, what you know, what you see obviously is really good. But on the backside, is it really got to be up to like, you know, awesome, you know, specifications, you know, completely, you know, uh, 
sanded perfectly and finished perfectly. And really, if you take a look at some of the classic work of the masters, you know, who built, uh, you know, like, you know, Heppel White and, you know, and, and, um, and, and, and things like that. I mean, the bottoms of the drawers have lots of plane marks on them. They've got lots of plane tracks. They, they don't look all that great. Everything you see is gorgeous, but everything on the side that you don't see isn't necessarily that great. So, you know, where, where, do, you, where do you draw the line between aesthetics and, you know, it's got to and, and function? I mean, that's, I guess, you know, how much time are you going to put into something that nobody's going to look at? Right. And, you know, and I've, I've got to believe in, and, you know, you take some of these really old pieces of furniture out there that, you know, that, that they were, you know, the manufacturing of this stuff where they were just spitting, spitting pieces of furniture out and trying to get it, get it sold. But you're doing everything by hand, um, but they need to do mass production on it or, or you know, somewhat of mass production on it anyway, at least, you know, more than, than, uh, what a, a hobby woodworker's doing, um, that, that some of the joinery was probably not always the most beautiful if it was hid inside, you know, they were focusing yeah. much more on, on the outside and, you know, if it's strong, that's what counted. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, seriously, who's going to pull the drawers out on that, on that high boy and look at the bottom. I mean, right. you know, that's really, that's, and that, you know, that was the decision that, you know, the, that, that, you know, I still remember I went to the Thomas Day exhibit in Raleigh uh, at the state museum of, uh, of history um, and Thomas Day, you know, well-renowned uh, cabinet maker and furniture maker in North Carolina, his work was gorgeous, but you could see where, you know, it wasn't aesthetically important. He, you know, they, they left the plane tracks, they left everything there. So right. I, at some point, you know, you've got to make that decision, you know, how perfect you want everything to be. And, you know, is the final piece going to be perfect enough? Yeah, it, it's funny you say that because uh, my dad uh, picked up a piece of, you know, pretty old, old piece of furniture. Um, and it was kind of an old, you know, hutch. And, you know, the front of it's beautiful. It's got some beautiful details on it. Um, and when you look at the back of it, the boards on the back, it's completely, all the mill marks are completely there on the back. I mean, they didn't even, nothing to take the mill marks off the back of it. It's completely rough, you know, rough on lumber on the back side of this thing. But no one ever saw it. I mean, it's against the yeah. wall all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, you know, they, they call it mud flap. And then, you know, it, it's actually no, no. Somebody, nobody let somebody, um, gosh, what was going to say? No less an authority than Steve Jobs said, you know, well, you know, you wouldn't buy a fine piece of furniture and not have the back finished. Well, uh, of course you would. I mean, people have been doing it forever. Right. So it's the kind of thing where, you know, your aesthetic, you know, is, is does the piece look good? Does the piece function properly? And then, you know, if you're really going to get on hands and knees and crawl underneath the piece, you know, and, 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 and fret about the plane marks on, on the plane tracks in the bottom of your, uh, you know, your, your cabbie or your drawer, your drawer bottoms really, is that what you want people to do? I mean, or do you want to just, are you worried more about getting the entire piece looking aesthetically pleasing? Sure. But at the same time, you know, also a difference is, you know, if you're a hobby woodworker, you know, it's a little different because most of the time we don't have, um, you know, we, we don't have a, a deadline, you know, it's true. Sure. You're, you're making a piece and you're making as you go. And, and sometimes we can we can afford to take a little bit more time and, and fret over things that's not necessarily because it's important to somebody, but because it's important to us. Um, so I think that's one of the I, I think the that's important, but I think it's also important as the hobby woodworker to not get lost in the weeds of everything needs to be perfect. Right. Um, you need to set realistic expectations. And I don't mean to say you need to settle for crappy work. Um, no, definitely but, not. 
don't don't get yourself down if if the backside is not perfect. You know. You yeah, but my to, my point you remember is what's is, important about it. Right. My point is is that it's it's up to you. It's up to the individual. If you feel yeah. that that you know that that that's something that's important to you, then go for it. You know, if it's important to you to have that backside finish, to have that underneath side finish, you know, if that's important to you, then by all means do that because you're going to always know and you go, well, I kind of wished I would have spent a little bit more time on this. Um, but if it's not something that you feel that's that important, then then sure, it's it's not a big deal, but it's an individual decision. It's something that you need to decide for your own work on on what your comfort levels are um, and, and what finishes it's going to have. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's just like the construction. I mean, we, we all make decisions on construction of, of a piece of furniture um, and that we make on what kind of quality. I mean, are we... You know, you doing butt joints with nails in it, or you doing, you know, hand cut dovetails, or you've got to make that decision on your own on what level that you have an expectation with, you know, and most of that comes down to your own skill levels. You know, what are you comfortable with, and you build from that. Good. I think that's well said, Chris. Now, Chris, I'm gonna let. I put this in the show notes, but I don't know anything about it. I don't even know what the initials are. So I'm going to let you talk about this. There's some big show coming up in Atlanta. Considering you had the initials wrong. Um, yes. Uh, IWF is going to be here um, in Atlanta. Um, IWF kind of switches back and forth. Uh, one year it's Atlanta. The next year it's in Las Vegas. Um, so it's Atlanta's uh, turn again this year. Um so if anybody is local around Atlanta, um, that is actually going to be here August the 20th through the 23rd. Um, it's it's very fun to go to um, as, a, as a woodworker, and really it's just anyone. Um, it's not a big thing for a hobby woodworker. You're not going to go in there and see some you know boutique um, boutique tools, plane makers, and things like that. What you're going to see is is you know, it's a lot of big industrial type things. It's a lot of, you know, really furniture and, and cabinet makers professionally. Um, it's very interesting to go see though. I mean, they've got machines in that place that you, you throw a couple of sheets of plywood on it and, and it spits a piece of furniture out the other end of it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, and that's, that's no joke. I mean, it's crazy. Some of the, the machines they've got, but at the same time they all do, you know, they do have some, some smaller stuff. They've got a lot of different types of hardware and, and things like that. And just, so it's a neat place to go see, um, really just kind of how it's done from the other side. You know, what, what other what other ways, you know, woodworking's being done out there with that people have got to make a living at it, um, and building cabinets and furniture and things like that. So it's it's very interesting. Um I've been the past uh past couple of times it was in Atlanta and uh really enjoyed it. But um it's uh it's at the World Congress Center here in Atlanta and that is the twentieth through the twenty third. Um yes. I know there's actually quite a few different people coming to it. Uh, I know some of the guys from Fine Woodworking uh plan on being there and uh we may, um, I don't know if I can, if we can round up our times enough, we may try to do a podcast while we're, we're, uh, at the event. Well, Chris, that was really exciting stuff. I bet you it's uh, going to be a good event to go to. Hey, uh, we've got today's main topic. Um, joining us today from the lovely state of Ohio, it's round on the outside, high in the middle is David Picciuto, the, with the drunken woodworker, David, how you doing? Very good. How you doing, Tom? Doing okay, man. Good to have you on the show. Yeah, glad to be here. Now, David, you recently made a big jump, didn't you? I did. You told the man to KMA, right? I did. Uh, I, so, yeah, about two months ago, I uh, I quit my job, and now I just work from home. That's How's that treating you? I love 
every minute of it. I, I work more. I, I work more. I make less. But there's no stress in my life anymore. So, perfect. yeah, I'm loving it. So now you, you've gone into full-time woodworking, which is awesome. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's woodworking. Um, I, I, I make things out of wood, and then I blog and make videos about that. And, um, and sell so woodworking and woodworking education. Yeah, so we'll, we'll go there. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad I th- to see you've got someplace good. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be a stretch to say I'm a full-time woodworker because that's not exactly what I am. So, okay. So yeah. now, so now you've got you've got this you got the drunken woodworker, mm-hmm. which, by the way, awesome name. <laughs> Thank you. Well, okay. actually, I've I've uh, since you mentioned that, I kind of have to call you out a little bit because we were talking before mm-hmm. the show and. <laughs> And as most of you that listen to show know um, that Diami and Tom and myself pretty much always have a drink uh, while we're recording the show. So we brought the drunken woodworker on. Sober. Yeah, and we're like, oh, great. We got somebody to join us and having a drink. And David, mm-hmm. what, what, what are you drinking? What did you say? Uh, um, some Nestle Pure Life water. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't be drinking. I can't drink all the time, right? <laughs> Oh, well. So you end up being the being hungover woodworker, and that would be a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ah, hence the I water. I have to get up in the morning. So turn the power tool off. Don't use the mallet with the chisels. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That so I like do, a- Yeah, I do apologize for not having uh, an alcoholic beverage in front of me. It's all right. We forgive yeah. you this time. When you when you film this week's wrap up review, have one for us. I will, or two, or or <laughs> six. It's it's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay. Now now, David, you know. A lot of, you know, looking at the stuff you do, um, I got to tell you, really impressive the fact that not only does the stuff that you build look really good, but you take the great pain to describe to people step by step how you've done it. And it's not just like, oh, look, I built this. Isn't this great? But it's actually, like you said, we were talking woodworking education. You really go into great detail about how to do it in your own shop. Well, what's that process like when you start off with something? Um, uh, it's a very slow start. Um, cause I'm like, well, how am I going to explain this? And, uh, um, and pretty much I just, I, I kind of look at it like, okay, if somebody was teaching this to me, how would I want to know how it's done? And, um, so lately I've been kind of at, in the front of my videos, I say, this is how I'm going to do all this. And then I cut to just video of me doing all that. And there's not a lot of talking during that part. So, um, I just, I just kind of look at look at it and say, how would I want to learn how to do this? And, you know, the, the, the great thing about it is, you know, there's such a great variety of projects, too. It's not just, OK, well, we're just going to build a chair today. It, it, it's kind of like, you know, you kind of lead, you know, there, there, there's there's the there's the serving tray just in time for football season. There are the bands on boxes. There's there's a lot of really cool ideas there. I mean, how do you go through the process of deciding, OK, well, now I'm going to work on X? Uh, Well. I use Pinterest. I will use Pinterest to kind of collect ideas. Um, I'll also um, – the, the serving tray was a last-second idea. I was actually at uh, the store, and there was something similar, and I was like, hmm, that's pretty expensive and kind of ugly looking. I think I can do a much better version of that. So <laughs> I bought I bought three bowls and then made the serving tray to fit those particular bowls. Um when it, I make mostly smaller craft stuff that I can try to sell on Etsy or craft shows. And mm-hmm. I think that's my focus right now is trying to teach others how to make crafty things that they can sell. 
Well, it's not and, a bad aim. I mean, that's that's pretty yeah. good stuff right yeah. there. Right. Um, people people are woodworkers are always looking for ways to make money because tools are expensive and wood is expensive. So, if you can turn your hobby into some some cash, um, you, you know you're you're going to be very curious on on how to do that. And so that's that's kind of my focus right now is how to make small crafty items and, and sell it. So you mentioned Sweet. a little bit a minute ago you were you were talking about um, just some of the things you're doing. Talk a little bit more about that. I mean, tell us kind of you know kind of what your ideas were when when you made this big decision. You know, and and you know what what you, you know, what you currently are offering, and and um, you know if you want to share um, kind of what you've got in mind for the future. Sure. Uh, well, before I was self-employed, I worked for a marketing agency, and I was a front-end web developer. And I also did photography and video there. Um, and I did that for 10 years. And after a while, um, the pressure and the stress involved with dealing with all these clients sometimes gets to you. And um, so on the side, I was doing the drunken woodworker thing. I was making the weekly wrap-up videos. If you don't know, it's basically like a, a new show or a highlight of the um, latest woodworking videos that other people make. And I'm doing my blog and the Facebook and Twitters. And I pretty much uh, – I, I, I could see the drunken woodworker stuff growing. But it reached a point where I could not put in any more time to keep it growing. And I was also – my stress level from my job was going up and up and up. And it just got to this point where like, okay, let's crunch some numbers. Let's see how much money I actually need to make to live to pay the mortgage and, and the bills. And um, I was like, hmm, I think I can do this. And um, I loved my job, and uh, I gave them a 30-day notice. They were they were shocked. And uh, and so now I do a um, I do the weekly woodworking wrap-up review. I release that every Friday morning, and that highlights other woodworkers. And then every Monday morning, or sometimes afternoon, I release a project video how to make something. Um, and sometimes I'll release a third video of a quick little tip, or as I call them, little tipsies. Yeah, um, I, that, that's a great name, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. So that's what's going on right now. Um, I sell. I also sell uh, project kits. So if I show you how to make um, – uh, I had a beer tote or a little beer caddy video a few weeks mm -hmm. ago. And I sell all the wood that you need to make that. And I sell two versions of that. You can buy just the wood and then cut it up and make it. Or you can buy the, pre the pieces already pre-cut and all you got to do is assemble it. So it's great for two different skill levels there. Nice. And so I'm going to sell more of these project kits as I release videos. And uh, that's, that's the plan right now. I'm... I, I'm since I come from a marketing background and, and uh, I work for a marketing agency for 10 years, I know a lot of things that I think other woodworkers don't or other crafty people don't. So I'm also starting a new YouTube channel and a new website that's geared just for hobbyists, not just woodworkers, but of all crafts on how to market and brand yourself. And um, yeah, that's coming out nice. in the fall. Um, I, I don't have a date yet. We're still working on the branding for that. But yeah, so uh, that's, that's, that's the now and, and the future. Nice. No, it sounds like a uh, sounds like a great great plan, a great start, and and that's exciting. It's exciting jumping into something like that. And um, so, so my question is: Are, are you are you married or? 
Well, no, he's engaged. You're, I am engaged. engaged. That Chris, is... Well, Chris is wondering just in case you know you, you were you were available. Right. No, <laughs> no. My question was was just you know how the significant other you know that's always a big decision and stuff. So it's just it is. It is. Um. When my when my stress level peaked, mm-hmm. I came home from work and I was just not not in a in a good mood and and so my girlfriend Kelly, who I live with, no, no, she's call a, your fiance now. A fiance. Yes. Well, at that at that time, she's my girlfriend, <laughs> and um, and so we we talked about this. She says, "I think you can do this," and so you know, we we crunched some numbers, and so she helped me. Does she helped me decide to do this? And so when you quit your full time job, you also lose your health insurance. Yes, so right. um, we we're like, "Well, let's get married." <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, we're not we were not big on on marriage uh, we, we had decided years ago that we would never get married and um nothing against it just we 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 didn't want to sure. but now it just works out better if we do and cuz health insurance is just cheaper if you can get it through your spouse so yep october in october we're we're getting married in a very private ceremony so great well congratulations yeah Yeah, so i would not be thank you thank you i would not be in this position if it wasn't for her for sure well good no that's that's always makes you know i'm always curious about that because i mean it's it is it's always a big step to do something like that but you know it's you know i i've been in those situations when uh when, when you're and i think most all of us have when you're you're in a job or something that that you just go you know enough's enough and i've got to make a change and um mm. i i've always found that um for me those changes have always been positive you know they they always tend to work out and you just you know when that time's right and um, things work so uh great it's exciting yeah yeah thank you yeah it was it was it just everything just aligned all at one time to to make it happen so it was the right time good yep so, David, the, the the focus now is on the drunken woodworker as a site and as a business more than being a furniture maker, right? You, the point is to – drunken woodworker is the product, not the particular things you make out of wood. Absolutely, because um, I don't actually make that much money selling the stuff. Um, I don't take on commissions because I moved away from the client world. I don't want to have clients, but I will make something – and then try to sell it. But as woodworkers, we all know that's kind of hard to do. Yeah. Um, mm. And uh, um, so if you get into the right craft shows, like jury craft shows, you can do well, but those tend to happen in the spring and the fall. And uh, I will sell on Etsy. I don't actually sell that much on Etsy. Etsy's, um, I used to sell a lot for whatever reason that, that's kind of gone down. But yeah, I don't make that much money selling stuff. So the focus is definitely on um, the the drunken woodworker brand, which if I would have known that um, the drunken woodworker was going to be my main business, I probably wouldn't have named it the drunken woodworker. Um, I I, I got to imagine that it's going to be hard to get uh, sponsors for the drunken <laughs> woodworker. So, but we'll we'll see we'll see where it goes. You just need the right well, sponsors. You, no, you, you get like Michelob and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, you know Johnny Walker will be all over you. But you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about it. You, know, you could you could theoretically say you know you're you're just drunk with happiness. <laughs> yeah. About yeah. the craft. I mean, think about it for a minute. You know, let's let's figure. I'm a marketing guy. You're a marketing guy. We could say, you know you yellow glue work for that or, or yeah, P- what do you P- use? PVA is really the industry standard. Glue have been a 
following you on YouTube and on the blog growing significantly? Has there been a big jump since you went take the plunge? Uh, yes. Uh, well, since I've taken the plunge two months ago, they have kept rising about the same that they were. Um, but maybe early in the spring, for whatever reason, the numbers really jumped. Well, not for whatever reason. It's definitely because of the wrap-up show. Um, mm. And then whenever... Whenever a big name mentions you, like the Wood Whisperer or the or Woodworking for Mere Mortals, numbers always jump too. Right. Yeah, so, he um, mentioned you. Yeah, <laughs> and so, so we, David, we may pull your numbers down. Uh, <laughs> no, this is my big break. Big <laughs> break. This is my big break right here. That's right. I'm sorry, David. If that's the case, you made the wrong decision. You should. Say <laughs> you should. Uh, well, I'll just go back into web design then. <laughs> <laughs> Please, guys, let's not derail the poor guy's career right now. <laughs> so, okay, so you so you've got this you've got this growing number, especially in the spring. Uh, you know, I mean, this is kind of this is kind of exciting stuff when you think about the number of people who are out there who are who are like you know now looking. I mean, now you're an expert. I mean, now you're now you're a professional. Yeah, you're, that's Chevy amateur status. Now you're professional. <laughs> What, yeah. what, 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 talk to talk to me about the big change. I mean, you know, talk, what, you know, was that was that a tough one for you to even take? It's it's um. I tell you what, the, the my last day at work was on a Friday, and then um, and and then we went on vacation, and then when, um, we had a, we had already had a vacation planned, and when I got back, um, that Monday was going to be my first day as a quote unquote professional, and I thought it, this was going to be this super crazy different feeling i thought i was going to just feel like a different person but i i got up at 8 30 that day and i went down into the shop and i just did the stuff that i had to do and it didn't i didn't feel any different it just felt like okay this is what i'm supposed to be doing i need to get up early in the morning and i need to do this this is my job um and so there was not this 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 mental change it was just like this is what i do now and and uh, and i got to keep doing it do you find that you're doing woodworking all the time now or you're woodworking during the day when you otherwise would have been at your marketing job and at night when you would have been woodworking, you're now actually able to do something else? Well, um, I would say half my job is maybe less. Maybe one-third of my job is woodworking hmm. um, The and then one-third is just computer stuff. Um, social media, um, editing, um, and, and then, then the other third is probably filming. If you've ever tried to film a project from beginning to end, it increases the time to make that project by <laughs> oh, like sure. three times. It's, um, yeah. And my shop is kind of small, so and a camera's tripod base has a big footprint. And so there's never seems to be a great place to put it, and I'm always tripping over the camera, and I'm waiting for the first day where my camera falls over and hits the floor i have a couple Ooh. of them so i have a backup but um yeah I, I'm, I'm just waiting i'm just waiting for that to happen so um i i even though i quit my job and I, um i'm still and i have more time to woodwork it still feels like i don't have enough time to do everything because um i need to constantly promote the brand on mm. facebook and twitter and pinterest and instagram and go on podcasts and and stuff like that. So, um, but the thing it's is, it's like us. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry <laughs> to take up all your time. No, 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 no. This is this is this is my big break, Diami. <laughs> um, and um, so I'm actually I, I I work all almost all the time, but it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like 
fun all the time. So I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. That's great. Um, I'm looking at the site now, and I don't know what – I think I'm just on your homepage. And it's got the shot f- for your, your woodworking video podcast, um, mm-hmm. which shows – it's kind of a behind-the-camera shot that shows the camera and the mic and everything and you sitting behind what I always thought was a desk, having watched the woodworking wrap-up reviews. But from this perspective, it looks like – is that your bench you're actually sitting at? That is my bench, yes. Um, I, I, Does that I- – Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, go, finish what you finish your thought, and then I'll ask the question. Yeah, that, uh, that is that is my bench. It is the uh, it's actually the best spot to film the the wrap up review because I got a nice wall behind me um, with no distracting elements. Um, and I'm my de- or my bench is maybe a little bit higher than than most because um, I built it for for my needs. So it's a, it's a great desk to have the show from. Or you're about what like six seven. Six eight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm uh, exactly. Uh, He's a very yeah. tall drink of water. Yes. <laughs> now, now, uh, David, are you, you going to be at uh, Woodworking America this year? I am. I'm looking forward to it. Unfortunately, awesome. not everybody's going to be there. I no. know that's that's the because of the move and all that stuff. A lot of people are going to sit this one out. But uh, yeah. but I'm going to be there, and I'm looking forward to it. And I'm just wondering, you know, as you approach an event like this. Um, you know, where you're going to be rubbing elbows with, with, with a lot of folks who, you know, who know you in the virtual world. I mean, is it going to be different this year being that you're now in that, uh, in that role? I, I, I think so. Um, you're now a celebrity. I <laughs> yeah, I don't, seriously. Yeah, you know, everybody, you know, everybody, listen, David, everybody wants to, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm sure like woodworking educator is probably like number one on everybody's list. <laughs> so and so right behind is astronaut. Yeah, they're, they're an astronaut, a firefighter, and astronaut are right behind that. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be wanting to pick your brain. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I um I'm there for the conference and and um I'm there to learn. I'm also there to to network and and talk to everybody. I'm I'm trying to figure out you know if if stranger comes up to me and says, "Hey, you're the drunken woodworker." Um, trying to think what I can take with me to kind of hand out. I, I don't want to make it all about me because it's not. But I might as well use the opportunity. <laughs> so I, I might take a, a big box of beer koozies and just hand them out to, to people. So And Tom, yes. am I correct? Are we rooming together? That, that may be. That, that I believe is the case. Yes, indeed. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this, this is, uh, is going to uh, you're, you're gonna be my bunkie along with uh, Mr. Wozniewski. So, uh, yeah. You're really yeah. climbing the ranks of who you get to sleep with, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I've already I've already cleaned the bathtub. So, you know the question is is do you snore? That's always the uh, the debate on who you stay stay room with at Woodwork in America. So, really, did that I, ever come I, up? I, let, let me let me tell you. There was one year I stayed with Matt Vanderlist, and Matt Vanderlist swore up and down he didn't snore. What a lion sack of poop that man is! <laughs> From experience. Really, the person you want to room with at Woodwork in America is the person who is going to save you when there's a fire. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, that's exactly right. it. Or you could be like Diami and I, and 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 last year, and we we hey, listened we to had, the first two. We were go off. still awake though. We had we, yet to go to bed. We, we were, were still prepared. awake. Everyone else was in bed. For, the, for those of you who are listening, last year at the at the uh, Embassy Suites in uh, Covington. Uh, Kentucky at the Woodwork in America. There was a little fire alarm uh, about mid, oh, a little later no, than that, like two, no. two in the morning. Uh, and, and and the funny thing is, you know, me, Mister Emergency Management, you know, 
I'm supposed to know all the exits and all that other stuff. And the alarm goes off and Mark Spagnuolo and I were rooming and the alarm went off and then it, and then it stopped and I went back to bed and then it went off again. And I woke up and there's Mark at the door with everything he owned packed his <laughs> shoes on. He's like, we got to leave the building now. I said, it's a false alarm. He goes, I expected better out of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, did that happen before or after Yami puked all over the place? <laughs> that, was, uh, that was after, before. I believe. No, it was yeah. before, wasn't it? <laughs> okay. I think that was the first night. Maybe was, the second night? That was like the um, – I think that was the second night. Or it was, just, it was just bad. Let's just say that it was bad. It may have been the same night. I don't know. No, I don't think so. <laughs> We're working in, a, well, in America. Kind of it's, de- <sighs> it's definitely a fun time because I – you know, that was uh, – I've gone to two of them now, and I don't know anybody when I go there, but I always end up hanging out with a group of people and talking and, and getting lunch or going out for drinks. And it's a really good place to just hang out and talk to other woodworkers. It is. So. I, I absolutely agree. And I think I say that every time is it's about the community. But, like, I can't go this year because it, it, it just – it conflicts terribly with my family schedule. And it's, my son's birthday is during that weekend. It's just a lot of stuff going on. It's nothing about the actual conference as much as I bitch about it. Um, that being said – Although you don't like being around me any, any at all, right? <laughs> yeah. but, no, what, what I was getting at is I looked at the conference this year at the speakers and a lot of people have been really excited by who's speaking and what they're speaking about. I personally – it's not really floating my boat. That being said, I – also, don't see how that's relevant. They could talk about cheese all day, and I would still come if I could hang out with woodworkers in between classes and at night. It is, like you know, you're absolutely right, David, is that it's about the people. And yeah. I've been to four or five of them in a row. This is the first one I'm missing in a long time, and I'm, I'm very sorry to miss it. And every time you meet new friends, you reconnect with old friends. I see Kyle Barton once every two years at Woodworking America, and he is almost always the highlight of the weekend is spending a weekend with Kyle. Um, and it's, it's about the people you meet. So if you can in any way make it to woodworking in America or frankly weekend with wood or any of the other conferences, um, go and meet other woodworkers. That's what it's about. And, and I'll, and I'll say, you know, to give the classes credit, I mean, you know, I, I always look at the schedules and, and see classes and go, yeah, I don't know whether I'd be interested in that, but every time I go to a class, um, I, I always try to go to some classes and sit through at least part of them that I'm not interested in because I always end up getting something out of it. You know, of it's when, when you're, when you're yeah. taking someone who, you know, this is what they, this is what they do. This is what they know. And it's what they're passionate about and, and sit down and listen to them. Um, you know, you'll, you'll take something away from that that you never thought you would. So, um, and, and that's the truth for any of these conferences like that. You know, you always, you know, when you get that chance to sit down and, and listen to somebody, um, you know, it, there's just so much takeaway from it. And there's so many things you can learn by actually being there that you can't learn through YouTube or a DVD. Like, try, try to learn marketry on your own. That's, that's pretty tough. Oh. But the last couple of years, they've had two different marketry artists there. And to see it in person and, and to be able to ask questions is it's a, it's a great great resource. So. Mm, that's absolutely true. And if you it's if you fun. have a something you you're curious about, figure out which of the presenters might be related to it and ask them whether it has anything to do with what they're mm-hmm. actually presenting about or not. 
Just ask them. And if you know what, if they don't know, they'll they'll point you in the right direction. They'll take you to another presenter who does know or they're they're always willing to help you out without without question. Every instructor I've met at, at Woodworking America or any of these conferences is just always so eager and excited to pass on what they know and to teach and answer questions and really interact with the people who are there. Right. We're such wood dorks. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I speak for yourself. Yeah. Okay. Enough of that. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, since we're getting close to wrapping up, David, Mm -hmm. we have a tradition on the show. All right. We have five questions. We always ask our guests and we'd like you to do them today. If that's okay. I think that's okay. All right, good. I'm glad to hear it. Either, if, even if, it's, if you're not okay with it, we're still going to do it. It doesn't matter. You yeah. still have to. It doesn't matter. Still, this, this but it's easier part. if you are okay with it, so it's good. Yeah, and, right. uh, we, we'll still force them to do it anyways. Um, so how'd you get into woodworking? Well, I took woodworking in high school. Um, that was a long time ago. I graduated in 1993. And then 20-some years go by, and I'm an art photographer. And I was getting my photographs ready for an art show. And I thought, well, I need to get these framed and took them to the local framing shop and they wanted to charge me 125 bucks for each one. And I was like, whoa, you know, as a uh, I was like, that's 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 a lot of money for a couple sticks with the miter cut. Um, so I thought I could do this myself. And um, I ended up paying the bill, um, but uh, I went out and bought a miter saw and I found um on iTunes, the uh, the Wood Whisperer show and 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 Matt show, and, and just started watching all of those, and then found um, Steve Ramsey's uh, YouTube channel and just watched all of them, and just became hooked. And this is only about three and a half years ago, and I just consumed everything that I could, and I just fell in love with it. So that's how I got that's how I got started. Is uh, I needed to get some pictures framed. You gotta love that. Yeah. Okay, Chris, you're up next. All right, so next question is, what is your favorite tool? Mm. And we're not talking about Tom here. (laughs) Hey, I'm an award-winning tool. (laughs) I got two answers. I got my favorite answer, and then I got the answer that you probably want to hear. My favorite tool is the computer because um, with my design background, I love designing, and that either starts – usually starts on paper, then it moves to the computer and – and plus I can use the computer to learn so many other woodworking techniques. So my favorite tool is the computer. But if you want to just talk woodworking tools, then I'm going to say the bandsaw because there's just so much you can do with it. And it's it takes the place of so many other tools. And it's I just love using it. Okay. Fair enough. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean. Who has influenced you the most? Um. I guess that probably would be Mark Spagnolo, just because he's the first one that I found when I wanted to learn more about woodworking. And then um, a close second is probably Steve Ramsey. Um, yeah, so Mark, Mark and Steve. Sweet. And who doesn't, who doesn't love Mark and Steve? They make awesome videos, and they've been doing it forever. And they're mm. No, they're definitely both awesome. Great, yeah. great guys. They're, uh, in yeah. fact, both previous guests, so you can see yes. what appearing on this podcast does to someone's... My big break. That's yeah. right. <laughs> okay, what's, what's been your biggest stumbling block, and how could you have avoided it mm. when it comes to woodworking? That's a tough one. Um, 
We like to ask the hard questions here. I know, I know, I know, and I listen. To, I've listened to every episode, and I shouldn't. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been on every episode. I haven't listened to it all. I haven't. <laughs> uh, I actually have. I know you do. Who's the pet I'm into the pain. Oh, I I haven't really let too much stop me. Um, just because I've only been doing it for three and a half years, so I guess my biggest stumbling blocks would be time, space, and money. Um, but that's probably everybody's stumbling block, I would imagine. Um, when I f- when I first started three and a half years ago, I was renting a house and. Um, I had this tiny little room to do the woodworking in, and um, then when then I moved a couple of years ago, and now I have this fairly decent sized basement. So that got um, that's how I overcame the space. Um, the money I'm still trying to overcome. Uh, good luck. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> right. So yeah, time, space, and money. All right. So so last question, um, and and I think this is one that it definitely probably. Uh, it, it's it's almost how uh, almost the opposite for you. But how has the uh, the internet uh, influenced your work? Um, it's I would not be doing this if it wasn't for the internet um, because I it's it's we live in such an amazing time. We can you can say that phrase at any point in your life, but it's it's really great that if I don't know how to cut a mortise on something. I can just go look it up and I'm going right. to find five different ways to do that. That's, that's completely amazing. So, mm-hmm. um, and we can listen, listen to podcasts and, and, uh, listen to other woodworkers. Woodworkers love to talk to other woodworkers and love to talk shop. So right. podcasts, YouTube blogs makes it so much easier and more fun. Most definitely. Nice. Well, David, we're out of time. But before we leave, we want to congratulate you on the upcoming nuptials. Thank you very much. That's big news. It is big news, yes. Okay. And also, we're looking forward to seeing you at, the, uh, at uh, Woodworking America, too. Yeah, that's, that's going to be fun. I can't, I can't wait to see you. Sorry I won't see you, Diane. <laughs> yeah, me, but... It's all right. He'll, he'll, he'll get over it. Trust me. I'm going to keep <laughs> lobbying them. They're going to move it to October next year, and I'll make it. Oh, it's okay. We'll, we'll we harass. Good time. You know, we, we've got to harass Diami the entire time that we're all there. So, Well, oh, here's yeah. the thing is I, I, I'm not sure if there's a good thing or a bad thing because on the one hand, I would love to be sitting next to my phone looking at all the fun you're having crying. On the other hand, disconnecting that weekend might be a good idea, but I will literally be in the woods camping without a phone that weekend. Um, when you get so, back, you're when going I, to have yeah. – when you get I'm back, you're going to have like 400 messages. Twitter messages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Tuesday and Thursday, I'm going to cry as you guys get set up and have all the fun starting the show. Right. And then Saturday morning, I'm just going to disappear into the woods and I'll find <laughs> out if you guys make it when I get home. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and with that, we're going to wrap it up. David, thank you so much. Thanks that was again, really man. fun. Thank you. All right. Now, that just about wraps it up for the show. So if you're missing us already, you can be, you know, and some people are, I do, believe it or not. Um, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you subscribe, you'll be sure to never miss another exciting episode. And while you're on iTunes, please leave us a five-star rating, even if you think that's the last thing you want to do. It helps for us, it helps our rank so others can more easily find us. And if you want to learn more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, you can be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You can like the MWA on Facebook or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. While you're there, you can join the MWA Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. 
While you're surfing the web, you can also look up the drunken woodworker on Etsy and buy one of his delightful crafts. <laughs> Aren't they lovely? <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, so until next time, I'm uh, Chris Adkins of HighRockWoodworking.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at HighRockWW and all those other internet-type places. I am Diami Plotke of the PenultimateWoodshop.com. I am also on the Twitters. I am at D-Y-A-M-I-P-L-O-T-K-E. And I'm resident shop monkey Tom Iovino of Tom'sWorkbench.com and at Tom'sWorkbench on Twitter. Until we see you again, we wish you all happy sawdust. So, David, what are you drinking? <laughs> Water. 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 <laughs> Water. <laughs>